is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. The promo on Sportsnet.ca says now is the time for hockey. You know how we really know that? How do we know that? No longer the time for playoff baseball for the the Toronto Blue Jays. What the hell was that? That's a great way to lead us off. What? Well, well, I don't know, man. I mean, as a Toronto resident, you're familiar with something like that. But you always think it's not going to be that bad, and it just gets worse. Is this a good thing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, or is it a bad thing? I don't know that they are now sharing mm-hmm. the worst sports playoff collapse (laughs) in MLB history, along with their worst collapse in NHL playoff history back in 2013 versus the Boston Bruce. Are they side by side? Is this worse? Is it better? Where where does it sit with you? I've heard people, we talked to JD Bunkus when he first walked in, I've heard people saying this was worse than the Leafs thing, but like the Leafs thing was game seven. You know, like this is game two of a wild card series. So the stakes don't feel as high to me, but the blown lead itself oh, felt no. worse. The stakes are just as high. Incredibly high. I know that Rogers probably didn't love not getting a third home gate. That need, probably hurt. Need to save the season. Oh, man. In game two. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's just indefensible. It's uh, the amount the slow drip away of the game. <laughs> it just took so long for the pain. Like just behead me already. Eight one in what the fifth inning. So going into the sixth, going into the sixth. So going into the sixth with an eight, one lead. Is that equivalent to a third period or is that late in the second? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I get, I feel like you're going into the third there. They, yeah. You're well, bringing in not relievers. Good. Not good at all. The, the Gosman pull I didn't like. You know, I heard Barker and Blair, you know, leading us in, talking about some of the, the you know, the managerial decisions. Mesa, he didn't like that as much. Bringing in uh, Tapia instead of Jackie Bradley Jr. I don't know. Do you hang this on the skip? The front office didn't bring yeah, in enough arms? I, I listen, baseball is always going to be hindsight 2020 yeah. and playing the percentages and the lefty versus the uh, what the lefty versus the lefties coming up. Yeah. They, I, I don't know. I, I just painful though. And then like to watch it, to watch it, at, what was it? Nine, six or whatever it was, or eight, five, whenever it was the bloop single came and Bichette and Springer collide like the, the worst case scenario, the guy barely gets a bat on the ball and you're the next two batters. The next inning collide. Oh man. And I'm watching like, the cart. I know. We never see a cart in baseball. Football, yeah. every Sunday, there is a cart. And these guys. You got to put Springer in a wheelbarrow but, to get him off the field. Oh, my God. Yeah, come on. Carts and baseball players, they don't really go together. <laughs> you stinged pretty good. I mean. I know. Just I pain. know. But just pain. Just that whole thing. But this is the thing now is they share some of this. Oh, young guys full of potential. Look out for the Leafs. Look out for the Jays. All this unfulfilled promise. It becomes, if you're the Leafs, you're like, yes, it's not just us. This happens. Maybe as a city, we over celebrate our prospects too much. And they, oh no, no, we, we over celebrate everything here. And 
I get it. The guys want to have fun. And we we saw it all season long. After every home run, the jacket, uh, the choreographed uh, motions with the hands and the elbows <laughs> and the this touch this. Now. It's like a friggin' Michael Jackson video, for God's sakes. But it's baseball. I, I get it. You want to have fun. Yeah. But yeah. May, maybe next year, a little bit more business-like. Please. I wonder. I wonder if that will affect celebration. Did you bring the jacket back? I think you got to burn the jacket. Enough with the jacket. Jacket's over. It's like the Hall and Oates Leaf song. Enough <laughs> already. You know, Move th- it. we need a full exorcism. <laughs> it's funny that the Raptors winning Put a championship. Jacket. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, that doesn't count, though. We're still mad. Put that jacket with the, the, the Leaf Goal song. Yeah. And you play the Hall and Oates song as you burn the jacket, and let's all just turn the page. Which means two things. City of Toronto now focuses more on the Leafs, and uh, my uh, Great. my afternoon golf game is completely <laughs> screwed because this will be our last day mm-hmm. from 12 to 2 Eastern. Good. As tomorrow, we move right back into our regularly uh, scheduled uh, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern slot with... YouTube. Are you going to comb your hair tomorrow? I don't know. I think you do a great job today, I'll be honest. I know. I'm excited. Listen, full on tomorrow. It's YouTube. It's Sam McKee. Sammy (laughs) is back tomorrow. Uh, Recently married on a honeymoon. I've got an assignment for you tomorrow. Check his blood alcohol content. Yeah. And uh, how long you been married now? 11 years. Okay. I'm closing in on 25. Woo! So on tomorrow's show, we have to come up with a few uh, like marital advice for him. Yeah. All right. I'm thrilled. He will be thrilled. <laughs> and like we've got some experience under our belt. What yeah. can we pass on to him uh-huh. that will help him? Oh, boy. Stay the hell out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. You, you already gave okay. one away. Don't give any. <laughs> All right. Tomorrow's show. All right. Tomorrow's show. All right. So it's Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo, and in for Sammy is Tristan Mark Ajani. Yeah, I think he nailed it. I Did he nail butchered Tristan? it yeah, we got a thumb- uh, completely no, last year. Got it right. But I'm a, I'm a wily second-year veteran here on The Real Kipper and Bourne Show. We're going to be... Along with you all for the next couple of hours, Anthony Stewart uh, from Sportsnet, uh, one of their NHL analysts, will be along as well. Frank Saravalli at 1 p.m. Eastern with a little hockey inside for us. And uh, already hearing some rumblings around the league, I'm sure we'll tap in there as well. Um, Outside of that, we had a lengthy conversation on Wayne Simmons mm-hmm. and where that storyline was going into at the end of the week. Yeah. And we had talked about where the, the reality was for Wayne uh, on the second of a two year deal. He signed last year. How was it left? Uh, from what I'm hearing, JB's he's obviously not a happy guy. He's not. No, he's absolutely not. And uh, I think it's debatable whether he thinks he got a fair shake or not to crack the roster. He can make the case this year that maybe he didn't, right? He put a full summer of work in on working on foot speed. Sounds like he, that was like the focus is getting up to speed. And then this season you see guys come in 
And they're like, all right, uh, Mulligan's going to play with Nylander on the second line, get a lot of reps. And, yeah. um, you know, Zach Aston Reese is going to be a guy that we put, you know, put in a position to succeed. You know, Simmons bowled over a guy, yeah. got in a fight. I, listen, I don't think they should keep Simmons. I think they're doing the right thing here. But I understand if you're him, how you could look at it and go, well, I don't think I got the same opportunity as everyone else this year. And, and we know it, the, the steady decline in his game, right? The foot yeah. speed now is, is an issue. Uh, but there is a sense that there's still, and in many ways for the Leafs as well, there there could have been a, a spot or somewhere where you can look at that roster and still say, he's still tough. Yeah, he's okay? still tough. Yeah. He can still drop Hell his yeah. gloves. He can go and talk to, to other players like a, a Pat Maroon. Mm-hmm. And he's got something that I think had been missing in that roster, a, a real presence. Hmm. that make other players feel like Simmer's on the ice. So, you know, how how hard am I going to push this? Did they lose that now by going to um, players like Zach, Aston, Reese? Yeah. I think it's interesting hearing you say that, that, uh, you know, would you like to see them keep Wayne Simmons, I guess is the question here, because... You're right. They don't have someone to answer. Which you know. they didn't prior to having Wayne Simmons there. Right. I think what's happening here, though, is for years it was always the Leafs need this veteran leadership. They need to, they need to get Joe Thornton. Go get Patrick Marlowe. Go get, you know, some veteran presence in the room. All hey, at the end of the, their careers. But oh. also the core is not young anymore. You know, the core is not like these guys are averaging 26 years old between the four guys or five guys that you think of as the core. Nylander's going into his seventh season. Same with Matthews. Like, oh, no more. They don't need but, their hand but, held but, by an older guy. But the, the, it's not the hand holding. You're not. It's not about them becoming stronger leaders where you don't need Wayne. It's about me still, in, Physical still going and, and going to run Nylander. Yeah. Me, I don't care if you've been in 12 years. I don't care if you're perceived now as a better leader. I still get to run you because I know mm-hmm. you ain't fighting back. So, you know, this is a really great, you know, a great conversation about where the NHL is today. Because if I look at this Leafs bottom six this year, I love it. Like I look at a line of Engvall, Kerfoot and Yarncroc. You know, Sheldon Keefe says you can put them out there against anyone. Um, you know, the fourth line now, Kampf, Abe Kubel, and Zach yeah. Aston Reese. Defensive as hell, Aston Reese hits everyone. Hits everything that moves. Yeah. But it, it, if it goes a little deeper than that uh, on the physicality. Uh, you're right. Who steps up? Does, does he now, is he one of those guys where uh, he throws the first pitch or the first hit in? And then if there's anything that follows that, does he... Does he turtle? Does he go down? Does he try to pull a bunting and, and draw a penalty? Is that what that energy is going to feel like coming off the fourth line? Well, I think the idea would be that in the playoffs, you need that fighting element less. But I do think there's a good case to be made is, do you want someone during the regular season to come help out? Now, uh, Aston Reese, just checking out his hockey fights page. He fought three times in 2021. So, it's not like he's. Does he bump it up to five, six? And that's, does he fight once a month? Yeah, Is he a good he, fighter? I don't, listen, he scored thirty-one times at the University of Northeastern. Which it, you know, like I don't think he thinks of himself as that. He's twenty-eight and not going to become a fighter. And how many goals did he score in in Pitt? Uh, I think he had nine one year. 
<laughs> he did. He had nine when and, he and the rest, games. And the rest of the years? Yeah, six, six, eight, nine. You know, okay, was, and, and Camp came in with a horrific scoring a reputation out, of, out <laughs> yeah. of Chicago. And what did uh, Camp ended up with, what, 25, 30 points last year? he had 10 goals. 10 goals, he? which I think is a career year. Was that not a career year? It was. But by the way, that Aston Reese year, he had nine goals in 45 games. So, like, there's an element there where he's not useless with the hockey puck. I had 17 one year That's in the good. NHL. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's... it's uh, he fought, oh, is that one of his fights? Tage Thompson? For, yeah, so he's not fighting heavies by any means. All right. Um, do, let's go to a Sheldon clip of of, of a Talk about those bottom, lines. bottom six here. All right, let's 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 start with the Zach Aston Reese line. I think it's clip two. You know, we've got a line, first of all, the way we have it here with, with uh, Aston Reese and Kampf and, and uh, Obe Kubel will go together tonight again. That's something we've really liked the look of. I think that has an op- you know, opportunity to be a, a line that can be really responsible uh, defensively. Uh, you know, we, we all know how we used camp last season. Uh, and I think with Obe Kubel and Aston Reese and their skill set, there's great opportunity for them to be deployed the same similar manner. So they're starting the D zone kipper. They're just your, like every shift, D zone starts for that line. It's good. Yeah. I, uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of presence that they could get out of the gate on. And mm-hmm. if they are just going to be this constant pounding of in the offensive zone, uh, yeah. that's where they're going to have to play to be successful. And outside of that, maybe that, that threat that Wayne Simmons had that he could drop his gloves and, and pound you, uh, where the success lies. The one thing I, I look at he, a guy like Austin Reese is like, He's coming from Pittsburgh with a Brian Burke there who loves his tough players, treculent, all of that. And Berkey didn't want him. Why? Well, he ended up in Anaheim last year for 17 games at some point. Yeah. I don't I don't know why exactly they, they moved on from Aston yeah. Reese. Uh, you know, being the value, like how cheap he is, he's 840. You would think that they would want a guy like that. Here's a couple things about the guy. Top five in hits in the NHL, I think, last year. He was... Um, you know, the analytics has him have him as one of the best shot suppressors. So, like, defensively, he's very effective. So, you're right. I'm not sure why there wasn't more of a desire for teams to, to have him. It's going to be interesting watching him because he was great in the preseason. By all accounts, the numbers love him. Makes a lot of sense for the Leafs. Going to be interesting in about uh, 15 minutes. We're going to have Anthony Stewart uh, from Sportsnet on. Of course, uh, you know, big supporter of... Uh, of Wayne Simmons, and uh, I'm going to be real interested to to get his thoughts on on how this thing uh, played played out. Particularly uh, keeping Mulgan over him, you know, keeping a style of guy like yeah. Dennis Mulgan over Simmons because they're making a clear statement about you know yeah. wanting more speed <laughs> scoring wingers who are five ten. Mulgan, of course, having uh, great success in a in a preseason, unreal preseason. Yeah. Yeah. How much value do we put into playing Ottawa and Montreal? Nick really? Ritchie levels. And struggling teams that uh, you look at their blue line and you go, uh, that's, I'm not even sure it's a good American Hockey League blue line. Well, this is the thing is you look at these guys who are quad A players like Seth Griffith that the Leafs tried to bring along and Nick Patan that the Leafs thought would be a guy those guys are tailor-made to shred the American League, to shred bad teams in preseason, 
And that's where I think Dennis Mulligan is. If this, you know, if you go into the regular season and play good teams, is he still that guy or who can produce? And if he isn't a guy who can produce, uh, what do you got? So I, everyone thinks I'm hating on Mulligan, but like, where does he fit in, in the playoffs? This line they have right now of Nylander, Robertson, Mulligan is not a line. It's not going to be a line for this team. Well, when it matters most in, in the no. playoffs. No, it's not. And, you know, so what? You're just messing around till then? Don't you want to put this team together like it's going to look like? One more thought on Wayne Simmons on waivers yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, to clear, if I'm not mistaken, it's now uh, 2 p.m. Eastern. They moved off of the 12 noon, I think. Yeah, because uh, they felt it was unfair for West Coast teams. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, that uh, yeah. needed to get their wake up and get to crap, the rink and crap together <laughs> yeah. at uh, 9 a.m. So totally fair. We, we'll know uh, by 2 p.m. Is there a chance at all? And I can tell you from what I heard as of yesterday, there was interest in Wayne Simmons. Really? By the Ottawa Senators. Oh, no. Yes. If you're the Leafs, you don't want that. No, I don't. You I'm don't not, want to see him four and, times and there, come in and beat is, the hell out of you got, and challenge uh, guys. They got Watts in there, yeah. but there isn't much else. You still have a young oh, team. Smith would love him, too. And wh- why not? Why not pick him up? He's got a, 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 a chip on his shoulder already for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He'd come in here. Wanting to just kick the crap out of the Leafs. He would cross-check Nylander in the neck 13 times. <laughs> just see if anyone would do it, anything. Again, you you know you're not getting uh, you're not getting the Wayne Simmons that uh, that power forward guy. Yeah, but but don't as want far a as Wayne but as far in. as uh, respect in the room and a guy that can still play tough. Yeah, like, and, does and it make sense for a team like Ottawa to, to to claim him and just further drive that battle of Ontario to yeah. another level? It does. This is fascinating. And I, again, I think DJ Smith would love a player like that. I know he would love a player like that. He would love getting to have someone to stick it to the Leafs when they go in there. This is a, a team that's trying to get in the fight with Toronto. Like you can't be rivals when you're 50 points yeah. worse. But yeah. you can be rivals when you're 20 points worse and you're beating hell out of people. So that's that, that's interesting. It, it is. Uh, I had heard it yesterday, but I was not aware, too, that uh, Derek Broussard has signed a one-year contract as well. So I just I wonder if that kind of backs them off mm-hmm. the thought of Wayne Simmons coming in already now adding Derek Broussard, who signed I, a one-year deal today with the Ottawa Senators. I also think, you know, with the whole Simmons is mad at the Leafs for how this played out thing, like, they gave him a two-year deal when they certainly didn't have to, right? Two years at 900? Yeah, I think I think originally he probably would have been comfortable signing a one-year deal in the bar, ballpark of 1-5. Oh, really? 1-7. So this is like, we'll get you more. And we'll get you this if you sign a two-year deal. So I think that's the way it kind of played out. We get to lower our AAV. You still get the money, mm-hmm. right? You still get uh, the money. So I, I, how old is Wayne now? He's 34. He's not that he's not that old. He's not, not like he's knocking on the door of no, no, 40. No. no, he is 34. I would have th- thought when he signed his two year deal, it was the thought of I'm retiring here. 
but I just wonder right now if he woke up this morning and, and and still feels like he wants to play. This was like such an obvious ending to me though. When they signed the two year deal, like him leaving perturbed with the Leafs, like it just, it felt like last year was, I'm kind of shocked that it didn't sound like there was a ton of real solid communication between the two. The Leafs and Simmons. Yeah, like on what this year was going to look or like. Or what when he signed it, what next year could have looked at like. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, you're signing nine and nine, which means you're going to be with us this year. But come next year, if in fact we need to have you play for the Marlies, are you okay with that? Yeah. And again, I'm, that didn't happen. everything I'm hearing is he has zero intentions of going to play in the American Hockey League for the Toronto Marlies. See, two things if he does go there. One is that the Leafs can bury the entirety of his cap. It. No, he... they can't. They can't. I think there's a minimum of of 900. Oh, it's I still it was on 1. the books. 2 or... Oh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You're, I see you your point. I had it backwards. Yeah, you, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, You're right. You, you, you can bury four... If it's a $5 million you contract... You can bury up to 1.2 or 1.1, whatever. Yeah. Right? 80, 80%, 87%, 90%, whatever. You're right. You're right. Uh, but so his... His his mill will basically still be on the books, mm-hmm. but it I think it it would have been kind of decided already that um you, and you're okay with it. You want to retire a leaf, you still get to live in the city. Uh, first yeah. call up, we're well, right that, there. That's the thing is like all year you're going to have one injury, two injury, three injuries up front. Always going to have injured guys. Simmons would presumably be with the Leafs. I bet you for 60 games this year, if he's their 14th forward, it's probably with the least for 60 games injuries yeah. as well. Like it's just a, almost a foregone conclusion. It's but just, will he go play for a month while he waits for that in Utica yeah. and you know, yeah. all those other upstate I, New York cities that I, I, I got the sense that he's, he is not going to play in the American hockey league. So if another team does show interest, I think there's even some rumblings from Flyers uh, media. Would they welcome him back for one oh, year? Oh man, Torts and the Flyers, yeah, but yeah. I, I, you know, and and where where is Wayne now in terms of wanting to leave Toronto? His family's here. I wonder if Philly would be an exception, though, right? He's so familiar. He probably has contacts, yeah. a place he could stay. Like, I wonder if that's different. Yeah. And he did train exceptionally hard. You mentioned that, didn't I, you? Yeah, I bet you he's great this year. And yeah. by great, and I mean, he you know, on foot a speed fine fourth-line guy. And, and and all of that. So Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I just, I think the Leafs, I see why they're excited about Zach Aston Reese. You know, Abe Kubel's 26 years old. He just won a Stanley Cup as a very effective fourth-line guy for Colorado. Got to have him. Camp was one of the best defensive centers in the league last year, you know, for, for, for a fourth line guy. Like I get why they love their fourth line. I do see your point about having that physical, you know, fighter type guy. You'd want him to be in the press box and for when you needed him, and say, okay, well, we're playing this team that's been pushing us around. You're going to come out of the press box, but I don't see Wayne Simmons wanting to be a hired gun either. So I do want to talk about Mulligan at some point too. Uh, go. Is now the spot? Yeah. We're I, on third line. Yeah. I, I Yeah. It's such an interesting thing to me that they the Dubis, like this is the vision he's had and he's just <laughs> pounding the square peg through the round hole. He's just he like, wants to he wants to uh, turn around and tell everybody, including you. Yeah. You were wrong. Yes. I was right. Hundred percent. He wants to be validated for the marchment trade that people we like do not agree. You and I are calling one of the worst trades of his time here. 
He wants to be validated that this speed and skill can win today. And that Mulligan is one of these guys. Ah, ah, I, uh, I just don't see it, man. I don't think he's bad. He's probably an NHLer. He can go play for Ottawa or Arizona or Philly or Montreal. But can he help the, Mont- this the, season? the Toronto Maple Leafs win the first round? Can he help him win the first round? We don't really care about 82 games, do we? None. I wonder, you know, if there's, unless there's injuries. A, unless there's a style of play that suggests, I like this style of play. I think they can win it. I, I think they can win with it in the first round. Yeah, I guess. Like, I, if there's injuries, I guess you never want to not have skill on hand. Like, if Robertson's hurt and Willie's hurt and you want a scoring winger, I understand wanting to have that guy around. I just am... I can't believe we're going to do Nylander Robertson. Uh, it must be a placeholder, that line. Just one. Anyway. John Tavares on the ice today wearing a, a normal mm-hmm. jersey. Yeah, that's weird. Don't you think they're going to let him have some rest? What's the point in rushing well, him back? Well, the sense was he was going to miss up to a, at least a week for sure of the regular season. Is he made enough progress that you want to you got, want to get him in the first game? No. I want to see I, him I wouldn't do be that. 100% ready to go. Him say, I'm ready. The doctors say he's ready. And then I want to say, okay, two more weeks. You know, let's just make sure he gets to play hockey and we don't have a yeah. torn oblique at Christmas and he's out for four months or something. Well, we'll have a better idea after today's uh, practice. Malgin, Tavares, and, ne- and Nylander was a line today. So Robertson would be yeah, the odd yeah, man out yeah. over Mulligan. Who's who's crashing on, on the four check first on that line? Is Zach Hyman still around? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to ask Anthony Stewart that uh, after the break, get in more on Wayne Simmons. Is it a possibility a team like the Ottawa Senators could claim him today at 2 p.m. Eastern? We'll ask Anthony that and so much more after the break. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Gobble, gobble. Real Kipper and Born back after this. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. There, somebody forgot to tell me to turn my mic on. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's my responsibility. Still early. Working out the kinks. Today's our last show in that 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern slot on Sportsnet 590. The fan tomorrow, a reminder, we go back to our regularly scheduled 3 to 5 p.m. Also on YouTube mm-hmm. as well. So we get to see uh, JB's uh, handsome face. I'll bury mine under a cap, I think. <laughs> sure. Just go full toque down to your nose. Adding to the great looks of the real Kipper and Bourne show, let's bring in Anthony Stewart. Stewie, what's going on? Not too much. I'm getting ready for my first uh, TV appearance tomorrow, and Ooh. let's just hope the suits fit, boys. Let's just hope. <laughs> let's just hope. Are you are you in game shape? Where do you have your your training camp at? I got to go hit the steam room for about a good two hours. I'll have a couple water sandwiches, and I'll be ready to go for tomorrow. <laughs> Cutting weight out there. I got to tell you, after Thanksgiving, I'm not feeling so svelte myself. <laughs> Stewie, uh, you know, we had a little chit-chat, not sure if you're listening at all, about Wayne Simmons and his situation. Um, you know, where, I guess, what comes next for him, and if you feel Toronto gave him a fair shake during his time here? Yeah, again, you know, he's a little bit long in the tooth, but again, I think everybody knows what, you know, Wayne Simmons brings to this table here. And he is a player that, you know, he doesn't help to get you to, he's a player that gets you through. And I give the example of him and Kyle Clifford and and what the only difference between him 
Kyle Clifford and then uh, Perry and uh, the big rig in Tampa Bay is the coaching staff just leaves them alone. They know there's going to be ups and downs with Perry. They know there's going to be ups and downs with Maroon, but they know come game five and game six of those playoffs, when the game gets a little bit rougher, that they're going to step up. So I think for Simmons, um, the one thing I can tell you, you know, again, I was on the sum- on the ice with him all summer in the gym with Matty Nickel. It's, it's, he's ready to go. He's ready to go. He's prepared. He was mentally prepared and he still has some hockey left. You saw him. He looked pretty good on the four checks, you know, at 30, you know, four years old, 35 years old, dropping the gloves and fighting. He's still showing that fight. So for me, I still think he can be a serviceable player. He can still contribute. And it's your, uh, I think it's your weekly reminder, uh, Jay, uh, Justin, that he's still top 10 in power play goals, I think in the last 10 years, but Again, I understand the direction that the team is going. They want to get younger. They want to get quicker. But again, we're talking about this Maple Leaf group taking the next step uh, in their development and getting past the first round and making a run. And come deadline time, you know, the type of player that they're going to be looking for uh, to acquire at the deadline is going to be a player of a Clifford or Wayne Simmons ilk. We're joined by Anthony Stewart, Sportsnet uh, NHL analyst. I, we, we we almost got the... Th- the thought when he signed his two-year deal last year that this was a place that he wanted to retire, he's going to make it home here. Is there a bitter taste in his mouth that he will revisit the thought of maybe playing somewhere else? I had just mentioned uh, before the break that I know that there was some interest in talk in the Ottawa Senators claiming him. I don't know since they've picked up Derek Broussard on a one-year deal where that leaves them, but would that entice him? Well, again, I know he still wants to play. And, and again, it's no secret that, again, he's a close friend of mine and we've had some discussions, uh, you know, over the past couple of weeks. He wants to play. And, you know, as a hockey player, you know, your job takes you, uh, you know, everywhere in, in, in between. So whether that is Ottawa, whether that's Calgary or somewhere else, you know, Wayne Simmons wants to play. He doesn't want to retire. So I don't think it's me, you know, giving advice, hey, play as long as you can. You don't want to be done at 32 like myself. But he's a competitor. And uh, I can understand if, you know, he just, uh, you know, took it easy in the summertime and was at the cottage, but he was training extremely hard. And I urge anybody to Google Matt Nichol and just look at the training camp. It's tough. It's tough. It's long. The time commitment, it's equivalent or even better than Gary Roberts and, and just the commitment that it takes. So, you know, for him to do that and, and show that he's ready to go, I think he deserved another opportunity. So, uh, again, whether that's with the Maple Leafs or anywhere else, again, there is a business side to that. So, again, he, hear, he holds no ill will towards the Maple Leafs. But, again, he's a competitor and he still wants to play because in his mind he still feels he can contribute at the National League level. So then in the big picture with the Leafs, how do you feel about their off season? You know, this is a team that has failed to get through that first round. You may have heard that they failed to get through the first round for a while. Now added a couple of new goalies, Zach Aston Reese, Nicholas Abe Kubel. What are your thoughts on what they did this off season, Stewie? Yeah. Again, you, you got to find some solutions, right? Especially in this bottom six, but you know, you, you look at the, the, the Yang Croak signing, right? And, and you look over what this team has sort of been missing the last couple of years, how you have not drafted and developed a guy that can step in and give you a 15 and 30. And I think the only guy that's broken through over the last couple of years, you know, is a Pierre Engvall. And I think he should be a lot further on in his development. So I think the Maple Leafs have to do a better job in just finding guys and, and make giving them an opportunity to succeed. And I think that's one of the reasons why Nick Robertson is probably going to be in a top six role because they have to see what they have in this player. We understand he's had some injury problems over the last couple of years, but again, he's got that shot. He's got that speed. I think he deserved an opportunity. So for him, I think you got to give him 10, 15, 20 games to really see what you have in him, as opposed to saying, you know what, we're going to pull you out of the lineup after four or five games. So, you know, Reese is a guy that can get in on the four check. You know, God, that can mix it up. 
But again, who is going to, who's that next prospect that's going to come in and step in and really help put this team over the top. I know there's Matthew Nyes coming out of college, hopefully this year or the next, but I think the Leafs could have done a better job in finding those guys, drafting and developing them and making them everyday NHLers because you're going out and you have to sign the Yankos. You have Malgin coming in for his, his second round of uh, duty here with the Maple Leafs. But at the end of the day, we understand we are in a cap system. And when you have the big four making the big, big money, absolutely, you have to find uh, short-term and cheap solutions. Uh, but again, I really like Yankos. Kubel's got some Stanley Cup pedigree. It's just, you know, we're talking about the group taking the next step, and we're going to have to see with this current roster. But I'll tell you right now, and again, I don't know if it was you, Justin. I don't know who's trying to get Kerfoot out of town. That's one of those guys that you're going to miss. He had 50 points. Everyone's like, yeah, get rid of him, three and a half. Who is he going to pay three and a half million to put up 50 points? I don't think those guys grow, grow on trees. So well, Kerfoot, I think, has been one of the most underrated and serviceable Maple Leafs players the last it's, three, four years. It's not his performance or, uh, you know, what he's able to do. It's the, the three and a half million that you want to get rid of, not necessarily him. Mm-hmm. And but who's going who's gonna to fill in? Is there, some, that, right? is there yeah. some talk that they may dress 11 forwards tomorrow just to get, uh, get cap compliance? compliance jb i mean it's possible i think it's more likely they send robertson down i just did air quotes for people can't see it just so that you know to because he's uh, waiver exempt and then call him back up the next day type of thing so well it's possible as far um anthony i'll ask you this and i'll get uh, jb's comments as well engval can he can he pick it up where mckayev left it off on that left side I think so. I think so. And you, you see the speed. Uh, you see the confidence in his stride. Um, he stopped doing the big uh, Obama U-turn like he forgot his keys uh, in the neutral zone there. Uh, he's a very straight line, inside line, inside outside player. And I think he's got that confidence. So I think another year of being in the league, I can really see him taking the next step. And, and, and for me, again, I think he's uh, you know worked a little bit on his ski, uh, sh- finishing over the summer. I think 20 goals is pretty good, uh, a pretty good prediction uh, for him. I really like his game. I like how he gets in the corners, but just that speed. And I think that's what set Mikheyev uh, uh, apart from a lot of other players throughout the league. He's really got that speed. But I think Engvall right now is poised to make, take the next step because I think the Maple Leafs got to understand you've got to start developing some of these guys and putting them opportunities to succeed. If not, you're going to have to go overpay for guys that do the same thing. How much do you care about the regular season this year, Stewie? Is it crucial for them to finish in first and get that home ice, or is it just one of those get in the playoffs and figure it out when you get there for you? I'm tired of talking about it. When did we have our radio program? Uh, I think it was like six years ago. I think and we're so. saying, well, this is the year. They got to do it. Or they're going to break it up. <laughs> I think it was 1996. It was. You know, this is the year. They got to figure it out. But again, it's, it's, uh, the regular season is important because yes, you want to finish as high as possible to get the best draw and you know possibly an easier first round matchup. But you're looking at the divisions; it's it's not it's not first round is not going to be easy no matter who you play, whether it's Boston, Tampa, or some of these other teams. It's going to be a dogfight. So I think for them, it's just about getting their confidence up and trying to get rid of the ghost of years past. If we look at uh, one thing when it comes to the Leafs roster, uh, I look at that left side. We just mentioned Angval, but. Uh, as early as Wednesday, it could look like Bunting, Robertson, and Engvall. You assume that Knives is on his way uh, come March, April, but for someone out of college to step in and have an immediate impact and say a top six is, is really throwing up a Hail Mary here. Is is that left side good enough? And we'll add Austin Reese on the on the fourth line left side. 
Uh, I would say yes, just because you have the sort of the depth at, at center, right? You got JT, um, you got uh, Nylander that can fill in and out. I like Kerfoot at the second line uh, left wing position because he can put up points and make plays. He doesn't have to be a trigger guy again. You just got to get the pucks to the guy. So I think the left side is, is, is not necessarily the strength of the forward group. But again, they got guys that are that can skate and make plays. And when you have the big four, and those are the guys that are going to have to put up majority of your points. We know uh, Matthews is poised for uh, you know sixty plus. I think the the uh, the Cabby and Andy lines at seventy five right now. I don't know if he's going to get that, but he's going to put up some major points. JT, if he's healthy, he's going to put up some major points. So I think for those guys, you don't necessarily need killers. You need a little bit of fillers for them. So I think Robertson can do that. Bunting. You know, he's poised for another 50, 60 points as well, too. But I think the key is Engvall. When he's healthy and he's skating, he can really make a big, big difference. Well, we'll be talking about him a lot this season. How much time do you give the uh, the people in power with the Leafs? Like, if they blow it in the first round this year, God forbid, miss playoffs. Dubis, Keith, you think these guys continue to get cracks with this group? I... I the one thing I'll say is I don't understand how people don't think it should be a debate, right? It should be, you know what? They're great. Leave them alone. Let them, uh, you know, let them cook. But I just go back to my, my time in Florida Panthers where we had zero expectations. And I think I went through two GMs and three coaches in three or four years. And that was with zero expectations. So it is pro sports. And again, I'm not advocating for anybody losing their job. Uh, but again, it's, it's something where you have results and this team is, has the, the talent, I believe, uh, to, to win the you know win the Stanley Cup. So for me, again, I don't want to get into job security, but it is pro sports, and there's a lot of expectations. And again, we've been talking about this group now for I think the last you know three four seasons. Stewie, stay uh, stay by your uh, what what is it the steamer or the. Uh... <laughs> Uh, the yeah, hot so tub. I have the I have the built-in steamer into the sauna. So, <laughs> just wearing a garbage bag, bag in there. Garbage bag and the nylon. I look like one of the green men, but it's a, it's going to be a nylon black coat. So I'll well, be sweating it out. We look forward to you staying and maintaining a, a fighting weight because uh, we'll have you on the show often this season. Thanks for doing this. All right, thanks a lot. Go Leafs, go. Thanks, Dewey. All right. Yeah, I hope he uh, wears that on air. It'll. Uh, I don't know. Can, is. Is there any scenario at all where the Leafs get off to a great start mm-hmm. and Mulligan's looking like a good signing, uh, the bottom six contributing, yeah, things are humming along, yes, and Dubis goes and knocks on the door at Christmas and says, "Okay, boys, uh, I'm not, I'm not interested in going any longer without an extension. Uh, we're shaping up here." Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's get this thing signed. It has to be, Kipper. has to be. Any scenario where you look at that and go, yeah, that's just a natural progression here and it's the right thing to do, or do you go, no, 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 no. Results are bust. Guerrero Jr. there. We've seen this movie preview before. Yeah. Uh, Nothing gets signed until you're out of the first round. I don't think that he has to have first-round success to get another contract strictly because what are you going to ask this guy at the trade deadline to make crucial decisions for the future of the franchise and not have a contract and say, yeah, yeah, we know we're not even trusting you to run the team next year. Go make decisions about our draft picks in 2023 and 24 and 25. I'll go go one up on you off of your question about the trade deadline. Like who's negotiating for Austin Matthews extension, which 
conversations that comes up have on July first. No, 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 it doesn't come up July first. Prior on paper, it comes ah, up July first. I see. But the negotiations and the and and the back and forth on what that could look like July first. I've I've already started. I got news for everybody. Mm -hmm. They have started. But where are you on potentially a guy making such a big decision with as much as 12, 14% of your salary cap? 20. 20% (laughs) uh, for the next eight years being decided by a guy that you may have to get rid of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the year or, or, or after lack of success. And so you're sitting here going to Kyle Dubas. Well, make these crucial decisions. You're the one who has to make the crucial decisions. Do you want Dubas making them or not? You, you know, you're sitting there as Brendan Shanahan and above and saying, do you want that guy? That's to, right. Cause he can shape the next decade of your franchise in a day. Yeah. And to me, you know, he they may be somewhat and fortunate that a max deal for Matthews may not hurt them if the cap skyrockets. Kyle, and I don't even put Sandine in this. Kyle does not have a reputation for being able to play hardball with his big boys. No, he they've made it very clear that his philosophy on team building is pay the big guys and find the crumbs in the offseason. And, you know, he's had success doing it. He hasn't had success doing it. What is your definition of success? He's had Finding success doing Finding good it. players to play for cheap and to fill in around those guys. He's done that pretty well. But you're right. They haven't won in the first round. So is it success? But that is his philosophy. And so when that's obviously your philosophy, how do you go into negotiations with Matthews and say, well, we're going to grind you for well, how about we do 15% of the cap instead of 20? And they're like, yeah, listen, you buckled for, I mean, in all these scenarios with the big guys, we know you paid the big guys. Pass. All right, we got uh, Frank Cervelli after the break, and uh, we're going to have to ask him where the Tampa Bay Lightning are, the NHL on uh, a developing story. Ian Cole uh, has been suspended indefinitely by the Tampa Bay Lightning as they open up an investigation over sexual assault allegations. Um, God, it's just, uh, just seems like every year we start when we, we got to talk about this crap and um, I, this happened real quick, just in terms of, for me, mm-hmm. um, this post and it was an, an anonymous post uh, and it's, it's graphic and it's detailed. Yep. And um, within hours, Tampa Bay suspends him indefinitely. You know, it it seemed like a credible post, it well thought out and written and all that. Uh, they obviously looked into it a step further, I guess, contacting the girl. Did they? The woman. I presume they did I to suspend know. him. Is there anything out there saying that they, they made contact with her? Or are you I hearing have, inside information on that? Not at all, Kipper. But I have not. I cannot imagine a world where they saw an anonymous post and then suspended a player. I'm sure that more was done But than that, that is the perception that we're getting right now. And if there yeah, is. I just assumed you know, otherwise. It is, it is a post. It, there's no name behind it. Um. I don't know. Do they have more information that they've let on the Tampa Bay Lightning that they would suspend so fast? I guess that that's what we're in the dark on, and, on that. You know, I, I think for me, I'm, I'm watching this whole thing play out. 
and it's a slippery slope right now. And I'm not here to say he's guilty or innocent, but I am saying that there, there should be a certain process here sure. that an unsubstantiated post can get a guy suspended this quickly. Yeah. That's and, why I believe that there's got to be, you know, and yeah, listen, if they, if they should say that they should say, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, not in great detail, but and... I, I just, I think if there's a chance and, and Ian Cole came out pretty quickly and, and denied all of this mm-hmm. completely. So clearly someone's right and someone's wrong here. Mm-hmm. The only thing, here's the only problem that I have is that, you know, if we live in a world right now where someone can post something and get a player suspended that quickly, uh, what does this do for, for anyone out there that, that could think that if, if I frame something, if I post it in a way that I could get someone suspended and we are now in... We are in a gambling world. Think about this for a second. Mm. Okay. That, you know, the NHL, Sportsnet, Bell, whatever, we've got commercials. We're asking people to spend their hard-earned money to gamble. Yet someone out there, if they post something that looks credible, I have the ability now to manipulate someone's lineup and get someone suspended one of this those, quickly. It's one of those things that sounds like in theory a risk, but like, is it, is that really going to play out? Are they really going to suspend players for this is why Kipper, I, I truly, they must first off, they, they suspending the players. Like they, they want to take the time to investigate it and find out what's going on here. But I presume they've at least made contact with a real human behind that See, account. I, no, I, I, I don't, I don't believe that. I think the reason why she uh, left it anonymous and and went on an alias name is to keep her out of that. To go and make contact now with the team personally, I I find that hard to believe that she would do that when she went so out of her way to protect her identity. So I I don't know, and this is not about if he's guilty or innocent, it's about a a process needing to happen first. That's all. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, it sure sounded thorough and detailed. You know, I understand that that's not enough, that perception of that, but um, yeah, we'll stay tuned to see how that plays out. But it is an interesting concept, you know, the idea of the sort of thing happening to people in, in, in his position. And, Ian Cole, of course, with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I think one of those guys that was uh, thought of as a, a replacement for Ryan McDonough, who moved on with the Nashville Predators, but mm-hmm. reputation for a guy that can log big minutes and uh, and play a, a solid defensive game. Yeah, I mean, obviously they they like the guy. Million dollars, three or sorry, three million dollars for one year is not a small commitment in this salary cap era. So. Um, you know, I, I, I well, you got to wait on this one. We got to wait on this one. We, we don't know enough. And it's one of those things where, you know, not gonna, it's just impossible to weigh in on without knowing more. So I appreciate that they're taking the time to get to know more and hopefully do justice by the victim. If, if indeed there is one, which it yeah. sounds like there is Frank Saravelli, uh, hockey insider and president of hockey content at uh, daily face off. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on where the league uh, stands on this. Um, and it, it was the Tampa Bay lightning suspending him, not the National Hockey League. I think the mm-hmm. league has made public comments about 
doing their due diligence and in starting an investigation. But uh, uh, this is this is the Tampa Bay Lightning, I think, uh, taking charge here. Yeah, I mean, good for them in the, the scenario, just trying to get it right. I yeah. think that's all they're I trying know, to do. But yeah. No, I get your point. He's innocent, and you know this is a you know a, a chance to maybe take advantage of a situation. Mm-hmm. You know that's the only thing that uh, I see your uh, point. Listen, just, I do see your point. Uh, and again, I, I'm I'm not. I'm just saying that this isn't for the Ian Cole's. This isn't for Ian Cole. This is for other scenarios where you know maybe there is a a. a someone taking advantage yeah. for, for monetary reasons. I think and there that, are people who don't think argue, that hasn't happened in the past, by the way, right. You know, shakedowns. Sure. But they, I think there are people that would argue time. that you're better to err on this side of it and look out for those victims than it is to err on the side yes. of, you know, protecting okay, for, Ian for, Cole for, or for, protecting for, the perpetrators. For the organization, for the backlash on social media, but not necessarily for someone who may be innocent. Yeah. Right. That that it goes against him. It is or, tough or once, anyone else. once this sort of Who, thing comes out. If it right? if he were to be cleared by it, it's tough yeah. to ever be fully cleared by it. But yeah, yeah. Anyways, I just uh, man, it's just uh, it's a different day and age for uh, how this stuff comes about, right? And trying to make sense of like, it all is we're you know, all I mean, new if we're this. talking twenty years ago, and someone knocked on the door of an organization and said the same thing, but the public didn't have access to it, you're not suspending. Ian Cole. Right. You're still doing the work to figure out what happened. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And that's the only point I want to make. Yep. I get your point. That's how powerful uh, social media and the yeah. internet is now. I mean, monitoring that and figuring out how to deal with that is, this is all very much a work in progress for a lot of us. It is. Okay. We're going to get Frank's thoughts on where Tampa and the NHL is on this developing story and so much more to talk to Frank about. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born. We're coming back after this break. This is Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Time to get some NHL news. What's going on around the league? We welcome in Frank Cervelli from Daily Faceoff. Hey, Frank, are you one of those guys where you do have an off and on switch? I know the league went so late last season but did you take some time off then you got to kind of lay down and let others get some good scoops on the off season and you know but you, you can't keep that machine going 24 7 could you like elliot i i try not to i really do try and put the phone down i'm probably not as good as it at it as others are kipper but the pull of it uh, it, it's hard to, you know, this is a really busy summer that extended a long time, whether it was the Matthew Kachuk trade or whether it was some free agent signings like Nazem Kadri that went late into the summer that this was a really difficult one to just sort of totally escape. And, and that's okay too. Well, it looked like your family got a little bit of time away. Hopefully you're rejuvenated, recharged and ready to talk about the Leafs fourth line. Um, <laughs> anything you're hearing uh, out of Toronto here is uh, the Wayne Simmons. We hear his name is out there as a potential uh, person to be traded, a person of interest around the league. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think today, especially person of interest, when you look at the waiver wire as well, I mean, look, 
Um, the Leafs are trying to do right by Wayne Simmons. They understand what a warrior he is and what he's contributed to their team in terms of uh, a leadership and, and presence. And he's a guy that I think at this point is still a really proud player. Like he wants, he thinks he can do more than perhaps the opportunity that he's been given in Toronto. And he, he wants the chance to go out and show it. And so um, I, I've touched base, in fact, with a number of teams in the last 24 to 48 hours about Wayne Simmons and, you know, what he might have left in the tank. And I think everyone's kind of curious, is someone willing to go out there and take a stab uh, on the waiver wire to see if they could snag him? I brought up the Ottawa Senators, uh, maybe selfishly speaking, watching Wayne come in and, and, and add to the Battle of Ontario. But are they... Have they got enough toughness? I know Watson's there on a big contract. I think that they're not happy with, but is there a chance at all you could see Wayne coming in for some of those young stars? I I don't think so because that team, I think Kipper has some edge. Like when you have someone like Brady Kachuk in that group, um, you know, you mentioned Watson. I think Tyler Mott has added a bit of that as well with his late signing. And I think that's going to be a really nice fit. The team that I had circled for a number of reasons, not just leadership, but also to give the market a shot in the arm. And like, if you're the Philadelphia Flyers and you're a team that you know might struggle this year and you're looking for some relevance in your own market, why not bring Wayne Simmons back? He was such a fan favorite. The contract is affordable, even on the Flyers' tight salary cap. Like, John Tortorella and what he's trying to preach, like, isn't that exactly the way that, Wayne Simmons plays like I would think that that'd be the exact type of person you know especially ahead of a a potentially tough year that you might want to bring in are you expecting any uh well there'll be I shouldn't say any but much shuffling with the salary cap here as teams try to get cap compliant do you expect to see trades and a, a whole bunch of player movement in the days ahead obviously it's tight everyone's up against the cap yeah rosters are due in uh just under four hours from right now and I think the key buzzword of the day is LTIR. You're probably going to see when rosters are submitted by 5 p.m. Eastern, this shuffling of of teams that are trying to get as close to a perfect capture as they can on LTIR. And without getting too nerdy into the details, it basically means that you're trying to use up every dollar that you can from the benefit that you get from LTIR. And there's some teams that are really, really good at it. The Tampa Bay Lightning – uh, they're going to get, I think, within $33 of their LTIR right. space. That's at least the latest projection. So some teams are good at it. You're going to see some players on opening night rosters that might surprise you. A name or two that, that's included that will then be shuffled off somewhere else, whether it's the minors or somewhere, uh, that they basically are using that player as a prop to get as close as they can to LTIR. But honestly, I'm I'm not a huge waiver guy and excited in terms of that stuff. But today is one of those days where like you have full attention paid to it um, because I think there's been a few talented players that have been put out there in the last 24 hours that teams are saying, huh, like maybe I can, I can grab this guy as, as uh, their team is trying to sneak him through. Another big name, Nick Foligno, uh, familiar to Toronto Maple Leaf fans because that's uh, the first rounder that uh, Kyle gave up for him. Painfully and- familiar. Uh, this, this was a, I don't know how quick it was, uh, in terms of just the lost value of having a guy like this. 
it's not so much the lost value and, and what he brings. It's just he hit a wall. Like, his back was absolutely cooked. I was shocked that the Boston Bruins signed him to that deal two years, $7.6 bucks last summer because the Leafs, at a certain point, were entertaining the idea of bringing him back. But it was only ever going to be on, like, one of those 800000 or $1 million deals to see if there was anything left in the tank because they saw firsthand how much his back was, was cooked. And, you know, you don't know it until you, you need it. Like, it's such a critical part of everything that you do as an athlete. If your back is shot, it's, uh, you've got a hard time being competitive, let alone being in the league. So what are your thoughts on, you know, Boston's obviously a good mention here, but the the other teams at the top of the Atlantic, as the Leafs look around, you know, Tampa gets rid of Palat, McDonough, Yeruda, Florida get, loses, what, seven guys? Like, is there a chance that the division is actually more gettable for the Leafs than it's been in the past? I mean, I, I think it's they've always sort of been in that conversation, but yeah, I think consistency um, is going to be a real key. Like, you don't want to go go through a feeling out process, Justin, where you're trying to figure out, you know, exactly what we have. And and I think when you look at uh, Florida and Boston, both those teams, not just some new faces, but also coaching changes, like that's, um, that's a big deal. And sometimes there's an adjustment period that comes with that, that I think Toronto provided that their injuries are not as severe and they can get their top players on the ice. Um, given that they sort of went through camp banged up, that they have a chance to really hit the ground running and get off to a great start. And maybe, if they're lucky, create a little bit of separation there as some of these other teams go through that process. We're joined by Frank Cervelli from Daily Faceoff. Just before the break, Frank, uh, we had discussed uh, the developing story with Ian Cole. And, of course, there's the the human side of this story, which is uh, potentially... uh, you know, horrific. Uh, we don't know until uh, we we hear more information. But there's also the the side that Ian Cole's a a pretty serviceable defenseman that uh, probably uh, was looked upon to replace a guy like uh, Ryan McDonough. First and foremost, are you hearing anything either from the league or Tampa Bay? And then there's the thought that you know Ian Cole could be gone and suspended for for two days and back, you know, by the end of the week or uh, there's a potential he may not come back at all. And that, that may be de- devastating to that blue line. Yeah, I think there's a wide range of sort of options that are on the table and you kind of hit on some of them. No one knows. Like, that's the truth. It, and there's obviously been a lot of speculation out there, a lot of, you know, rumor mongering on social media, and it's it's ongoing and it's unending, really. Um Uh, Clearly, uh, from a pure hockey perspective, yes, the Tampa Bay Lightning were counting on him to be a half-price, 50 cents on the dollar replacement for Ryan McDonough. But the personal side is way more, um, I think, important when you look at all of this, both from the victim's perspective and uh, the significant nature of the allegations. And it's this is one of those ones that I think has caught a lot of people around the league, I don't want to say by surprise, but just the nature of the way that this has all unfolded, had you explained to someone 10 years ago that someone anonymous might come forward on social media and send out a tweet containing such damaging information and allegations, 
to then have it be acted on so quickly, like I think it's it shows at least a step forward in terms of how um, the NHL and the Lightning are handling a significant nature, uh, something like this, um, and also just how much our world has changed. So it's, um, I think, a good reminder and wake-up call for everyone out there as Cole has put out a statement in the last 24 hours saying, you know, that he completely denies the allegations and look, looks forward to his opportunity to clear his name. You know, meanwhile, you know, we don't know what's on the other end of this. You know, I'm going to keep it with sort of the, uh, you know, current heavier questions. And I apologize for first show having you on getting into these, but like the Hockey Canada stuff right now is a, a great uh, d- drama here and, and, you know, major effect I think on the national hockey league this season, do you expect there to be any repercussions for players in the NHL today from any of the investigations that are going on with hockey Canada? I I don't know because I don't, I'm not privy to the facts, but I would imagine that yes, there are probably a few players out there from the 2018 world junior camp that are dreading the idea of this dropping at a certain point because I have no doubt that if there is damaging information that's been uncovered uh, as a result of this investigation that has not just included the NHL and its own legal team, but also, you know, police departments in London and and et cetera, there's multiple layers to this investigation that um, you could see some really significant punishments that are handed down if if, uh, the facts warrant that. I don't think the NHL having what they've been through with the Chicago Blackhawks, um, you know, almost one year ago with, and their investigation that unfolded, um, they're not going to be afraid to act swiftly and harshly. And, and um, that's, that's going to be the nature of the way that works. Usually this time of year with the wa- waiver wire, the last one before setting your, your, your roster, uh, it's relatively quiet. Uh, because everybody, of course, thinks that they've got the greatest players and the greatest pro- prospects on, on the planet, and everybody wins the Stanley Cup uh, coming out of training camp. But with as many as, what, 80 names on the waiver wire, do you expect to see anything at all, or do you expect by 2 p.m. Eastern uh, that this will remain relatively quiet, as in probably trade talks all the way around, Frank? I'll give you a couple things that I'm looking forward to seeing how it unfolds. One, you know, I, I posted some names that had been out there yesterday on the waiver wire. Um, Aaron Dell is one of them. Keep an eye on the third goalies. Cause I think we saw last year really the importance of having someone that you have confidence in. It, it feels like it's pretty rare that, you know, teams go through an entire season fully healthy. You've seen in Toronto, um, you know, how many times the Leafs have been in a situation. It feels like every season for a two-week stretch, you've got to turn to your third guy for a few starts. You, those guys are all available because you can't keep three on your roster. So eventually, almost everyone, unless they're waiver exempt, has to go through the process in order to make it down to the AHL. And so, you know, maybe there's a team out there that makes a claim that's like, you know, we weren't comfortable with our third guy and we'd like to be more comfortable moving forward. So that's one. And and just some of the younger defensemen that are hitting that sort of waiver exempt expiration period. We saw one from the Los Angeles Kings, Jacob Muvarar, um, you know, not a huge household name, but one of those players that I guarantee you there's teams going through the process in the last 24 hours saying, Hey, look at a team like the Kings in general from the trade perspective, 
they have a ton of defensemen that they're not going to be able to keep all of them. And at some point, especially with their righty-lefty splits, they're going to have to probably move a defenseman. It might not be this week. It might be a month from now or two months from now when they're completely healthy. But that's another team that I would keep an eye on, the Pittsburgh Penguins and P.O. Joseph. Like, there's just a ton of players in that 22, Mm -hmm. 23, 24 age range that have gotten their feet wet a little bit a taste in the NHL and, and are longing for more and just might not have the room on the roster in order to give it to them. Frank, outside Toronto, I've been trying to pin down some of the more interesting teams to keep an eye on this year. Uh, I guess Chicago having Taves and Kane uh, stands out as one of them to me. Uh, Vegas seems interesting. I, I do want to focus on the Chicago one, though. Do you think that either of those big stars will, in fact, be out? You know, guys who've been there for their entire careers and had great success. It certainly feels like this is the last uh, hurrah for, for Jonathan Taves. You know, he's sort of been that, you know, and and bless him for his competitive spirit, but that sort of curmudgeon the last year or so as this this rebuild has unfolded. And I know everyone was expecting something drastically different last year with Seth Jones and with Marc-Andre Fleury everyone sees the writing on the wall now and it doesn't mean that everyone wants to be a part of it. So, um, and, and Taves, there's no question that his game has slipped. Patrick Kane, I think is in a little bit of a different category as a number of teams around the league have, you know, let it be known to the Chicago Blackhawks whenever they get around to making that decision in partnership with Kane, because he holds the keys on wherever he goes that they're ready to go and, and interested in bringing him in. Toronto is one of the teams that's checked in. Edmonton's another. The New York Rangers, like, go down the list. They've all been in touch with the Blackhawks at one point or another on trying to pry Kane out of there. The thing is, in speaking with people in and around the Blackhawks organization, it's not a foregone conclusion. Like, you may see Patrick Kane at some point step up during the season and say, I don't care how long this rebuild takes. I'm a Chicago Blackhawk for life, and I want to be here. And the Blackhawks would ready and willingly sign him to an extension because he is that rare, special, game-breaking playmaker that I think the way he plays with his skating ability could be a very productive player in this league through age 40 and maybe beyond. So, um who knows how that's going to play out. And it's most definitely one of the most intriguing storylines to watch this year. So I, I don't understand then if, if like, what do you need to happen if, if Chicago feels like he, I think he's made it clear that he wanted to be a Chicago Blackhawk forever. So why, why are you pushing to sign that extension that you're talking about? What's, what's the difference between now and the end of the year? Like, does Pat Kane need to come back to them and, and tell them that, and then he gets an extension there? I think this is this this whole play has been totally to push him out the door. I don't I don't get that sense at all. I think truthfully, he doesn't know. He doesn't know what he wants to do. I think he wants to see which teams are really good, which teams step up and and want to acquire him. Like he wants to see how he plays. He wants to see how different the Chicago team looks and feels without you know, someone like an Alex to bring it near him and get a sense really from the Blackhawks specifically of what is our timeline here? When do you realistically think that we can be competitive again? And the difficult part for the Blackhawks to answer, as we all expect them to bottom out again this year, is 
that can to- that answer can totally change on one night in June with the draft lottery, especially with someone like a Connor Bedard available. Like, could you imagine the Hawks? That was one of my bold predictions to start the year. The Hawks win the draft lottery, and all of a sudden you have Jonathan Taves passing the baton to Connor Bedard. Like, it, it just you don't know. So I don't think anyone's rushing to to make any sort of decision just yet on where things stand. Be interesting to see this thing play out. Hey, Frank, really always uh, appreciate your time when you come on the show. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, guys. Have a great year. Enjoy it, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Frank. So the Blackhawks win the lottery, mm-hmm. and that changes everything. Ah, uh, yeah, I, Kipper, I, I, yeah. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not completely buying it. I love the fantasy of Kane and Taves playing for league minimum and in a Four years from now, still Blackhawks. They're beloved. Can't make less money. Bedard's a star. You know, they picked up some other high lottery guy, and they win a That's fourth cup as the what? So, no? They, they, I like the fantasy. I, I love Bedard, but there, there's no guarantee he's going to come in and, and change completely this organization. Well, we've seen in the NHL, one guy can't. Connor, Connor McDavid's going into year eight. The Oilers have won two yeah, rounds, three there, rounds. There, there you go. Was it Kent Matthews H- hasn't won in the first what, round? What, what did Kent Hughes say about his first round pick uh, this week? Uh, wasn't sure about him. I don't know. What, do you, what did he say? Did I miss this? Yeah. He said uh, Slav, uh, Slavkovsky's uh, been underwhelming. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, see, I, I would never utter that word. Why? He'd been underwhelming. Are you going to protect He's 18. him? He's a kid. Yeah, well, they could be underwhelming. Okay. But uh, no, you're no, right. Don't use that word. You're right. Just, just say, say, hey, listen, it's taking time. Yet. Taking its time. Yeah. We're going to be patient with him. Okay. There, there yeah. doesn't have to be. Underwhelming sets a bar that you've underachieved already. It's <laughs> Wait, not like four good. practices. <laughs> Brad May. Yeah. Tell them. What's that? What's the Brad May line? Well, it's not good. <laughs> Good work, Derek. Derek's on the ball. Derek. Nice, nice move. That's the best uh, bullpen there that oh, yeah. we've seen in the last three days. <laughs> that, that bullpen work. I'd fight Derek. my mom to win another Stanley Cup. <laughs> there, there, there that's, that's the Brad May line of of uh, record. But, but yeah, th- uh, you know, and these some of these guys take time. Yeah. I get your point that Bedard can't come in and all of a sudden they're going to win a cup because they get Bedard. I just think that... Uh, what if that kid goes to I Arizona? Mean, playing, what if he plays in Mullet Arena? Uh, it's almost as if uh, Chicago and Pat are, are like playing a game of chicken, right? Who, uh, I, I who, agree, yeah. Who, who, who flinches first here? But I agree with Frank that he wants to see how it goes. Like, is, is he good? I don't, I don't disagree with Frank. I, that's, but, that's, but that's all that's left. You know just, what I mean? It's just to see how it goes. To for see how it goes. Yeah. They're not offering me an extension. Uh, they're certainly not telling me the things that I want to hear that we are in your wheelhouse. We love your game right now. And we think that we could win around your game in, in, in 12 or 24 months. The risk first off, like the, it, it is, it does feel stupid to not go to Patrick Kane and say, uh, you know, we want to have you. You're still performing at an elite level. You're a superstar, a legend of Chicago. Even with a rebuild, we want to have you here. We'll give you five years at $8 million, I don't know, whatever the number is. It feels silly not to do that because 
in reality, they probably don't want to spend a lot of money when they're not trying to win. So to go with him, what you want to pay him would offend him. Imagine they go to Kane and say, hey, we'll give you a three-year deal at $2, two million each. You know, like you don't want to start, don't want to have him hate the organization. But that, that's... So you have to go to him and say... That, that's part of the plan if we need it to get you out. We don't want 10 and a half or 11 on our books yeah. in the next three years. So offer him the three years time 2 million and he goes bye-bye and then you've solved your problem. Or if if he turns around and says, I love it here, I want to stay. Go, Damn it. Exactly. <laughs> Damn They're it. going. Got to give me each mill. Oh, no. No. Yeah. No, I got to sign you. Now I got to give up money that... Uh, I don't necessarily want to spend. I wonder what a Kane deal would look like if he was a free agent this summer. But he's still at a high level. Oh, he's well over a point per game. I don't know. I think no, no one's going to go more than five years. Ten? No. Eleven? No, I was going to say less. Oh, gosh. I think he's getting ten? I think he could get ten. Yeah. But, like, I'd, you're not giving him... Five years. Here's my least. You're not giving Patrick him fifty Kane. million, no. but you could give him three times one 10. or two years at uh, twenty million. Maybe he squeezes out a third year at ten. Yeah. But if 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 you thought the kids were going well in Buffalo, would you think about bringing them in there? Yeah, for sure. Here's here's what I think. Here's my Leafs take though. I think that the Leafs organization is obsessed with Patrick Kane. Like Daryl Belfry and Kane, they're buddies, right? Like Belfry's worked with Kane all these years. There was some research that the Leafs did or Belfry had that every time Kane gets four and a half touches, he creates a point for the Blackhawks. So the Blackhawks are trying to create more touches. I, I remember sitting in the Marley's office and watching Patrick Kane videos, you know, Dubas in there. Like these guys love Patrick Kane. And I know that that was six years ago but I still think that there's a little part of them that would love to have their shiny little toy that they've talked about. And like, this is the offensive creator. We covet. I, st- I think that if they had the chance to get Kane, say here's Dennis Mulligan, <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, I think they would do whatever they could to get Patrick Kane. When you think about the Toronto Maple Leafs, is it with a thought of, of losing up teen times in the first round that we're a Pat Kane away from beating these teams. Yeah. Yeah. He only scored once in game seven against uh, Tampa Bay. Patrick Kane uh, creates you that him. one more. Yeah. There's not, nothing not to love about Pat Kane. Well, there's some things not to love about Pat but, Kane. Right. Uh, not his <laughs> offensive game. No, not his hockey. Creating game. offense. But yeah. is it, or is it, uh, reinfor- uh, re- reinforcing something on that blue line. By the way, this is reminding me of our previous conversation about Kyle Dubas's contract being up. Do you want him to make the type of trade to get that you would have to make to get Pat Kane? First round picks, prospects. Do you want Dubas to give up that to get and the guy that, he wants? If that tra- trade ends up looking like a Nick Foligno trade. Ooh. I mean, you've, well, then, you've sunk the next then, guy coming in. Then you're firing Kyle and you don't have the picks and you don't have the, you know, so you got to make a decision on Dubas before you make a decision on Kane. It's all in sequence here. It's all in sequence. Okay, we're going to take another break. Let's Good. throw it to break. All right. What do you want to talk about after the break? Leafs. <laughs> want to talk uh, jerseys and cash and milk. cows? Let's go back to, we have more on milk. <laughs> we got more on milk. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
More on milk after the break. Real Kipper and Bourne. This is Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. NHL teams as we speak finalizing their NHL rosters going into first game of the regular season mm-hmm. for the Toronto Maple Leafs Wednesday against the Montreal Canadiens on Sportsnet. Yeah, let's get going. Hockey season. Do you want to listen to a couple of Sheldon Keith clips on where the Leafs are at right now? Should we do that? Let's do it. Okay, we're going to start right off the top. Just the cap realities, waiting for info. The very first clip, Brandale, and let's talk some Sheldon Keith after. Especially with us, we're going to be really tight to the cap as it is. And then uh, if any injuries or anything happens tonight, it it could change things dramatically in terms of the decision-making process, in terms of how many players you can keep on the roster, in terms of who may be on the roster, all those kind of things. So that's just the reality of it is, uh, you know, you don't have all the information to make all the final decisions. But, of course, there's a large sample uh, that we've gone through here over the last number of weeks, whether it's... uh, you know, our preseason or whether it's guys that have, you know, started in prospects tournament. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's uh, that's played out over time. And one of those things that he talked about, Kipper, was, um, you know, John Tavares' health. They're waiting to find out what's going on with him. Why don't we play the Keith clip on John Tavares and then we'll jump into it. Here, obviously, John's health is a big factor here. Uh, and, you know, everybody else remaining healthy through today. So we'll continue to monitor that, but I think it certainly gives us a different look that we haven't had in the past and want to see how that plays out and ensure that there's enough ice time for everybody and that everybody can stay involved in the game appropriately. But in terms of the depth, uh, I feel as good as I felt about our our group that way. All I got out of that was... We're tight against the cap. Yeah, we very little flexibility. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's it. Like, well, what the juggling act? Yeah, is off the charts when it comes to how a guy like Prindham is now the key in all of this. Oh, he's the most important employee on the team. Kidding it's me? A, just a jigsaw puzzle right now that has to do with. Like numbers, not names, not reputation, not production. It's just who fits in what piece. That was actually a really interesting observation that Frank Saravalli made was that you'll see a lot of names that you go, wait, he made the team or that guy didn't make the team. But really, it's about these teams getting cap compliant for the first day. So to me, the rosters you see on opening night are not congratulations. These are the guys who made the team. Opening night is congratulations. You fit into the p- cat puzzle on night two. <laughs> Game two we're is the giving, real team. We're giving you a participation ribbon right now. Yeah. Congratulations. You make league minimum. You made the team. Uh, next game, we're going to get better hockey players in here. So that's something to keep an eye on. Start of the NHL season, and some teams may have to dress one less player on their roster. Game two is the official start of the NHL season now because of the way the salary cap is just such a mess. David Alter tweeted as the guy I follow on Twitter there that Tavares' Wednesday is a possibility. Chances continue to grow. He says his oblique injury feels more like a contusion than it does a muscle strain compared to the oblique oblique injury he had in 2019. But they continue to be very careful. So uh, oblique contusion is not a thing I'm familiar with. I've been butt-ended in the side. Is that what we're talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I just spit blood and keep playing. (laughs) 
That's the way I did it when I was. Uh, the times are different. Times are real different. But John, obviously, who doesn't? But I, I think it's really important. I, I think, I think if if the Leafs are trying to maybe tell tell him it's okay to take a day or two off. I'm sure he's the type of guy that says, no, I'm I'm ready to go. I want to play yeah, now. He's the captain. He led the team stretches today. He played on line with Nylander and Mulgan. I think it's fascinating that Mulgan is getting those reps over Robertson. But, yeah, I mean, they. You know. it, it looks like he is going to make an effort to be a part of this group in two days. Well, Working it, his bag off. <laughs> Thank we, you for that. Anthony Stewart was on our show, talked about uh, the commitment that Simmons had made to in the offseason to to try to get better. You know, he he's in that same boat, too. He came off that injury, uh, that dreaded injury uh, two seasons ago uh, against the Montreal Canadiens where he got knee in the head. Uh, he made it clear that uh, that affected his training the following year. What did he end up with last season? 70 points? 75 points? Tavares, yeah. He was yeah, 76 and 79 games or something like that. Do you think that John would look at uh, wanting to go in this season and and and, and try to hit like a 90, 100-point uh, season? Yeah. Like, is that possible? I, not the second number. Not even the first number, to be honest. So what? what is John now? A point-of-game guy, 80? I could see him get, yeah, I could see him do that again. Is, is 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 everybody comfortable with John Tavares getting 75 80 points next year at 11 million dollars? Well, see that's framed in an unfair way. Well, it's not framed in an unfair way. Why is it no, un- unfair? Well, cuz you signed him to a deal knowing these back few years were not going to be the best of the years. So you were really paying him 11 per season. I don't season. know. I mean, is he is 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 the talk now that he's on the the downside of it, that contract in the years, or can you argue that he should still be in his prime? You can argue. Yeah, you can make that case. He certainly signed that money and he's not old. So sure. I would say that for a point per game player, if he's useful in other ways, you're happy with, you're okay. okay you can well, live sorry, with what, what are the other ways? Playing defense, being able to put him in the D zone to take a face off here and there. John being needs good his on cookies. the power play. Yeah. John needs his cookies. He does. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's been that guy his whole career. He's That's, a, he's a yeah. point guy. He's a creator of offense. The thing is, if you, if you are talking about only points, no, it's not $11 million to be a point per game guy. If you, if you sort last year's players by, you know, whatever you get in some pretty average players making a lot less money for a point per game, Rupe hints. And let me ask you this Philip question. Forsberg, I don't know. He makes next season. Yeah. Mitch Marner gets, the same points that Tavares got last year, 76. How's that going over? <laughs> yeah, like a fart in church. <laughs> <laughs> Not great. Not great, Bob. He would get killed. Yeah, he would. I know. There's something... I don't know. What are you, what are you supposed to do, though? Sit here and be like, ah, he's only worth eight. Like, yeah. he's not worth four. A point per game is not worth four. He's worth... Eight, you know, so it's not like he's like ragingly behind his value. But the perception is now he's your second centerman, right? Oh, yeah. So when, when he came here, it was pressure. like, are they 1A, 1B? Now he's it, the second line center. That's right. Yeah. So as long as Austin's in front of him scoring 60 mm-hmm. and maybe knocking on the door of uh, 90 points, 100 points, then the 75 
looks that much better for John. 80-point season. Well, and it's a very favorable position to be on a good team and on the second line, like it's giving John every chance. I would bet, Kipper, if Tavares starts out the year and he's got 20 points and 30 games and, you know, seven goals or something, I bet you they give him Mitch Marner. Like, I would imagine at some point they would say, we have to get something for this money. He's only valuable when he's contributing offensively. We cannot give him, you know, Dennis Mulgan. And, you know, we'll see what it looks like. But How's that going over with Austin, Austin? and his, you, you his know what? quest? You know what, Kipper? Can these guys just zip it? Like, you make 11 million bucks and you're trying to win a Stanley Cup and, you, you know, no one cares about the points anymore or the goals. He hit 60. He hit 60. It is about team success now, is it I not? Know. It's easier said than done. These guys, they... At some point, the team's got to come first. are heard. But they're arguing that you're hurting the team by hurting me. Well... I need these, Mitch. The leadership should argue that you're not paid to make decisions about who should play with who. You go shoot it in the net a whole bunch of times, and we'll give you $11 million. The team's trying to win as a group, and if it makes Tavares better, then I think that's what you have to do. I I really feel like all the individual accolades have been checked off for Matthews, for Marner, for Tavares. They've all had big individual seasons. The only thing that matters is what is best for the team. Nobody cares about individual stuff anymore. Two 30-plus goal seasons so far in Willie Nylander's uh, Leaf career. Uh, 31, I think, uh 2019 and 20, and then he jumped to to 34 last year. Uh, is he ready to go to 40? When he's gone, he's gone. He right? said he is. Can uh, Can Tavares get him there, getting another 49 assists, or is that number got to turn into 60? It's crazy that like two guys can have so little chemistry. Not that they're bad together, but so little chemistry and just be tied together. Nylander and Tavares, like. They've never shown any inkling of like, they love being a unit. It's just like they are stuck together. I don't know. Uh, But at the same time, you you don't want either of those guys playing on the third line. So they just need to find a solution here with these top guys. Everyone wants to play with Mitch in the end, right? That's he's the guy who makes centermen better. And you got two centermen who want to play with them. And Willie's like, I'll just, you know, tell me what I'm doing. Yeah. Give give Neil Ender credit for that. He does not complain about a damn thing. He just plays where he's told to play. A lot of pressure on these guys. I, I really look at the the, the depth that the, the Leafs have added, or you know what they think they've added. Mm-hmm. But this machine has just run on five guys, really, and that and you made it a point uh, that this is the way Kyle saw a championship team being built yeah just big guys to pull you through sled dogs to pull the whole thing and some guys who are riding on the back of the sled you know hasn't got him through necessarily certainly got him close last year got him some very favorable handshake comments from the sounds of things but you know it it does come down to in the end that those guys were not the problem to me like austin matthews in the playoffs had nine points in seven games he was wonderful four goals five assists mitch marner was very good you know, it, it comes down to goaltending. Is Matt Murray going to be better? Is Sam Sonov going to be a guy? You know, is the defense going to hold up? The concern of the defense is age, right? Brody's not young. Muzzin's old. Giordano's old. Lilligren and Sandine young. 
you know, it's an age concern on the back end. So those are bigger question marks as much as we key in on the big guys. Where do we have Jake Muzzin coming into game one Wednesday night is a, he's good to go healthy, I guess he's good to go. Yeah. He's got a lot of miles on him. He says, but that one you're right is worrisome. Yeah, he's obviously a, a key figure for them and trying to figure out what uh, what he's going to be like as the season goes on. I wonder if he's a guy that they would load manage and just say, hey, you know, you're going to take off the second half of back-to-back so you're fresh later in the season. I don't know. You know, it depends, I guess, when Lilligren is ready to come back. Did they try Muzzin on the right side as well? Uh, Do you think-, think you need to see somebody step on, on that side? Well, you know, Riley signaled his willingness to do it. Sandine looks like he's going to start the season there with Giordano, you know, just as a matter of getting in the lineup. You know, Brody's right shot, or sorry, left shot playing the right side. I don't know. I, I guess you have Sandine play over there if he can, but interesting to try to keep him happy too. You know, I, I imagine there's some compromise just going into what they've promised Rasmus Sandine uh, for the season ahead. It all starts Wednesday night uh, before break. We're, we, we're we, in the milk logo. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I, I, I didn't see it. Uh, was there an article on? Uh, yep. Show $10 million. <laughs> I know a season shout out to uh, Kevin McGran and the uh, Toronto star wrote an article, um, how the Leafs beat the Canadians in the Jersey ad game. And you know, the, the article discusses how the Canadians took a lot of social media heat. They got a bank on their, you know, iconic sweaters. The colors are, you know, there's some yellow on there. There's a different blue. It's just not, it's not the Montreal Canadiens thing. You give a lot of credit to the dairy farmers. It's white, nice and white. The, and it's Leafs blue on their white jersey. It's clean. Milk yeah. is wholesome. Everyone loves the milk. You. They went second. Good for if them. If milk's colors were pink and they're stroking <laughs> $10 million a year, that's getting on the jersey. I don't think so. No way. There's a number. There's a number. There's they say, always a number. They say bright pink. Do it for twenty. When Scotiabank's paying twenty a year, and you just squeeze ten more out of just a a, a patch, mm-hmm. that's a that's a number you can't refuse. Here's what McGran's article says. About a week later, the Leafs unveiled the milk logo that now appears on the front of the right shoulder of the uniform. The Daily the Dairy Farmers of Ontario. Who saw that coming? Got the valuable real estate for ten million a year on a long term deal. Yeah. Ten yeah. million. And I, I told to you I, I put I put that jersey uh I, I would have argued that it's as valuable as the naming rights of the building. Well, what's interesting is yeah. Yeah, I just when you when you factor in how many pictures and constant close ups over two and a half hours, it's something even the building doesn't get. No, the the article includes quotes from someone in the uh, Dairy Farmers of Ontario uh, and basically said, can you imagine if Austin Matthews is, they win the Stanley Cup, he's yeah. holding the cup over his shoulder, and in that corner, milk. It's on a billboard in Toronto with the value of the advertising for the milk people, for big milk. Has <laughs> <laughs> like, anyone been like, oh, I didn't want but, milk, but now that I see the word milk, so milk me. Our RBC signs with what? the Montreal Canadiens first. That that deal probably is half of what Milk paid. Think so? Yeah. 
You know, what's interesting is they speculated that the Leafs could get more from a betting company or from a crypto company. Well, the betting company uh, did a deal with uh, the Washington Capitals. They do have a... Caesars. Oh. Caesars uh, Sportbook is going to be on the patch of the Washington Capitals. And I don't think they got the road games with what? the patch. So they're going to sell two jersey logos? No, they just uh, they stroked a check for home game. That's all. Yeah, probably they'll find another one. And the reason why Caesars didn't get on the road jerseys is because the league couldn't oh, get gambling sand, advertising yeah, in different outside states. in different states some legal some not legal hmm. so the league said oh. no you just get the homes the home game that's interesting and i also think there's an additional level of credibility to a caesars or an mgm yeah. or like these you know they, yeah. they have established air quotes brick and mortar casinos yeah. And I believe RBC does not have road games either for the Montreal Canadiens. I think Melk is both sides. It is, yeah. So that's that's probably the extra They're 10. covered in Melk. So Montreal, uh, RBC, and, uh, and uh, Caesars are probably between 5 and $6 million I mean, these, for, for home games only. For hockey-related revenue, these are real numbers. These add up. This helps the players significantly. So I, I get why they're going there, particularly coming out of the last couple of years. And I guess that's something I wanted to ask you about too, is this season, no pandemic, no whatever. It does, Doesn't it feel exciting this year that it's just – a hockey season, you're not excited. I'm sorry, are you guaranteeing that we're not getting any new virus coming in and <laughs> yeah. uh, we're just, all of that's behind us? Because uh, this is a crazy world. I know. And I know. We're going to hear another I Greek just... word tomorrow <laughs> and all of a sudden it's, it's going to be your Greek people coming in with another. It is. It, it is. I think it's a, a good feeling. And uh, I think overall the game's in great shape in oh. terms of, you know, some of these young stars and, and, you know, the attention, and I gotten a chance to go into markets like New York and Washington uh, in the last month uh, and and just feel their excitement. Mm -hmm. uh, got a, a wonderful weekend as a Washington Capitol alumni. I took in the, the Caps versus Columbus. They're going to be in town uh, on Thursday. Yeah, th yeah, that's right. And uh, there's high expectations there. For the Caps. For the Caps. Well, why not? You know, I mean, my God. Ton so, of talent. So we did a uh, on Thursday and Friday. We we're on the ice uh, at their practice facility, which is pretty remarkable in itself. Yeah. And uh, I'm just watching the Capitals practice, and uh, you know, I don't. I think people are kind of writing them off a little bit. Mm -hmm. In almost a similar way, Pittsburgh is where you just think ah, they're good, the but they're window, not. They don't matter. But the, but the window's closed a little bit, and you know, last time I checked, Sid was still good. And last time I checked, uh, Ovi still. Both teams at 100 points last year. Hammering the puck. Yeah. But it's interesting even watching Ovechkin practice. Like this guy, he's scoring goals in practice like he's a rookie. He celebrates everything. Oh, he's yapping. He's He's got a ton yeah. of energy. And, you know, the one thing that stood up about was just he works hard. Mm -hmm. The guy works hard. What's like, funny is you say see what him you off will the ice about him, but like, the does success, he have a beer gut? Like he the, doesn't look like the, he's training. The, the success that he has is not by accident or relying on, you know, he, 
That, that guy, he's, he still brings it. I know. Like, like do you, Sid does. Do you think Sid still brings it. Do you think the Russia stuff's going to catch up to Ovi, though? <sighs> he's got Putin in his uh, yeah, listen, Instagram I, it's, photos. It's still. always, it's always going to be, it's out there. Uh, it seems like the league's managing it. Uh, he's doing or saying whatever he wants to or does not want to say. Um, I think that uh, for the most part, it's it doesn't seem to be a huge issue outside Which is of insane a few, given what's happening. A few, uh, you know, inside the, the social media Twitter world, it's just it doesn't. I didn't see much signs of it at all. So it's it's business as usual for the Washington I know, Capitals. That's and, wild. And his chase, and he is what now? Uh, he he's going to crack eight hundred goals, is he not? By <sighs> November. What kind of PR firm do they have working that this guy has a literal dictator that's murdering thousands, hundreds of thousands at some point? I don't know what the total it's, is now. It's ridiculous. It's I, it just doesn't seem to be enough of a of a of a swale on 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 that side. The right NHL going to really trot him out as a NHL hero yeah. if he yeah. hits eight hundred. Yeah. And yeah, they're going to put yeah. him on stage. Well, and here's the confetti. Uh, yes, the answer is yes. And you know, outside of politics, it's a remarkable achievement. It's just mind-boggling that we were. Just a few years ago saying, uh, I don't think so. You know how many goals he's still got to score. You don't want to know how many uh, games he needs to play or yeah. stay healthy. Oh, I've been and the foremost doubter. He's, he is, uh, he's durable. He is durable, and he hits, and he hurts people. Yeah. Like it's, it's It's incredible. We will see if he can withstand this off-ice stuff because he has had a relatively... Scored 50 last year. 50. What are you questioning? What are you questioning? I don't know. I I do think that there was decline last year. Was there not? I thought he started out with a bajillion goals. But I I don't know why. I just have such a hard time seeing this guy continue to do this. But you're right. Well, we're going to get a good look Thursday night. Yeah. They they come into town and... uh, uh, no Backstrom. Yeah. There's a thought that he wants to come back and try. He had uh, uh, hip surgery that uh, very seldom guys come back from. But uh, you know who else I thought looked really good there hmm. while I watched for two days? Dylan Strome and Connor Brown. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, if they get some supporting cast yes. help, they'll be really good. Yeah. Yeah. Connor Brown, what a player. Playing with uh, Ovi, by the way. That might be a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> well, Once upon a time, he came out of junior pretty. He knew what to do with the puck that's offensively. True. That's true. Maybe this is the one opportunity where he goes to another level. Would love it. Good guy. All right. Our thanks to Anthony Stewart from Sportsnet, Frank Saravelli from Daily Faceoff, and uh, to all of you always listening, uh, give us a rating and review. We're back. We want to hear from you. We're back. And we got Semi McKee tomorrow. We are 3 to 5 p.m. From here on in and on the YouTube channel. Can't wait to get it all started for real. Wednesday night, Toronto, Montreal. Talk to you tomorrow.